Hello, everyone. This is Father Sean, and today I'd like to begin a, a series on thoughts to ease the return to Mass. We're, the context of this is that we're getting these vaccinations out. So many more people, especially those who are vulnerable to, to the coronavirus, are now getting vaccinated. And I'm kind of expecting all the 65-plus-year-old crowd to start dancing in the streets. So I'm kind of thinking that, you know, we're probably going to have this return to Mass before too long here. That will include everybody. Uh, that will include everybody. And I want to make this as easy, as simple as possible. So in this first part on these thoughts to ease the return to Mass, I want to just simply ask the question, why do we have the Mass? Why do we have the Eucharist? What's going on there? And a first quick, easy answer is because Jesus said so. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say do it because it makes sense. He didn't say do it because it's kind of going to be a nice thing. He said, do this. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we are doing this in remembrance of me. Remembrance in this in this Greek Jewish sense of uh, a remembrance that makes real what was going on back then, uh, the remembrance of the Last Supper, the remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus. But let's ask ourselves again a little bit deeper: Why? Why, on the part of Jesus Christ, did He give us this? Why did He give us the command to do this in remembrance of Him? And why, on our end, is it important to receive this gift? of the Mass, of the Eucharist? I think there's some legitimate answers there because I think this is a good question to ask. Like, why? <laughs> why in the world do we have this? So, on the pers- from the perspective of Jesus Christ, I'm going to propose three different things. I'm not drawing this on my own. This is this kind of standard Eucharistic theology that is just really good to bring to the forefront these days. So, the first thing is, think about someone who is dying. They're on their deathbed. And they're surrounded by their loved ones. And what are they going to do? Well, they want to be remembered. They want to give a sign that says, don't forget about me. This is something that I give you that represents me. They might give some kind of a a nice timepiece, like a watch. They might uh, give a little bit of piece of advice. They might, uh, you know, there's a will. There's going to be a kind of a gift of all these different things. And my grandpa died about a year ago now. And so, you know, all the different grandchildren and everyone had a little memory that they were able to take that represented him. When I left my previous parish, I wanted to give them a little bit of remembrance of me so that they could have a sign of my presence with them. You know, I don't need to dwell with them, you know, but but some sign that just said, hey, I, I still love you. I'm, I'm moving along doing God's will, but I still love you. We're, we're still friends. And so I gave them a mug. I gave them a mug and I had a few, I wrote a little poem on it and just kind of gave it to them so they could remember me by. This is what we do when we say goodbye to people that we love. And Jesus was saying goodbye to the people that he loved. He came into the world to dwell with us. We think of the first gospel, first chapter of the gospel of John. He said, um, or the narrator says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Greek word for dwelt is actually to set up his tent. He pitched his tent among us. And when you pitch up your tent, you want to dwell there. You're going to live there. He made his camp among our camp. And because he just wanted to be with us. Not just, but that's one of the key reasons that he came here. And then at the ascension, when he returns to the Father, to the right hand of the Father to intercede for us, well, he says, I will be with you until the end of the age. 
In a certain sense, that is definitely talking about the Holy Spirit indwelling among the believers and bringing that presence of Jesus Christ in a certain way to to us. But also, in another way, it's talking about Jesus Christ present in the Eucharist, in the sacrament of the Eucharist, where we have the physical sign of some invisible presence, of an invisible reality. And this is what Jesus said at the Last Supper, which kind of gives us evidence of this. This is my body. This is my blood. He put it into what looks like bread. He decided to do that, and that's what we have received. We call it the Eucharist. We call it uh, the, the Mass of the Lord's Supper. We call it what we do on Sundays. So this is part one. Jesus wanted to give us not just a remembrance of him, but a remembrance of his presence, the actuality of his presence, to, so that he can continue to dwell with us and be with us. The second reason why we can understand God's gift of the Eucharist is helped, we are helped to understand that by thinking of spouses. Spouses, they want to, they, you know, they give up their lives for the other. You know, when they change, exchange vows, they say, for richer or for poor, for better or for worse, in good times and in bad, all those different things, to show that they are sacrificing some things of the world for what is truly their desire, their spouse. They are ready to self-deny. They're ready to deny their self different things in order to love the other. And they're sacrificing here. And the ring represents that sacrifice. It's a, it's a gift that they make to the other. You know, you don't buy your own wedding ring. <laughs> your, your spouse gets you your wedding ring as a sign of that sacrifice. And in that Last Supper, we see that Jesus Christ gives a sign of his own sacrifice but a sign that is made real, a sign that is actual, just like his presence was made actual because he can do it in his divine power, so he can make his sacrifice present again on the altar to be presented again to the Father, but this time on the altar of, of Catholic churches in an, in an unbloody way. You know, we're not having a bloody sacrifice of Calvary, though the sacrifice of Calvary was an eternal reality with eternal consequences, and therefore it is made present on the altar again. It's kind of like a wormhole in a certain sense. It's kind of like a wormhole or wrinkle in time where in our masses we go back to his mass, his last supper, his sacrifice on Calvary there 2,000 some years ago. And he shows this in his words. This is my body. But he doesn't stop there. He says, given up for you, which is another way of saying sacrifice for you. And then he says, this is my blood. Again, he doesn't stop there. And he says, poured out for you, sacrifice for you. At the Last Supper, he's making clear that this was a sacrifice. So he institutionalizes in the Mass that we are to do in remembrance of him this sacrifice. And that is the principle of, um, principal dimension of the Mass, not to negate the other dimension of presence. Now there's also a third dimension that I want to highlight as well. Again, think of those married couples out there. You who are married, it's going to be easy for you. You're not just saying, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in good times and in bad. You're also saying, 
I just want to be with you. I want to share my life with you. I want to share this intimacy with you. I want our lives to be made one so that the two may become one flesh. This is part of their desire to have this communion of life. Communion of life is an important word there. And if Jesus Christ, who is the bridegroom of the church, as we hear kind of throughout scripture, specifically thinking of the book of Revelation and the wedding feast of the Lamb, who is marrying the church, well, then he will want to have this same communion that other spouses get to have, right? He will want to have this sharing of life, this sharing of life that is rich, that is abundant, that is true. And so in the Eucharist, we are recipients of this. In fact, we're recipients of this communion by receiving into our own bodies. Uh, At the Bread of Life discourse in John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. And bread is to be eaten, to be received, to be integrated into our own bodies, to be made one with us. Uh, Kind of uniquely in the Eucharist here, we don't integrate him into our body, but our bodies are integrated into his, into his life. We are made more him as we receive him. He continues in this bread of life discourse, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is the definition of communion. This is the most greatest, this is the greatest possible communion that you could ever conceive of, that there's this abiding in. You know, spouses can't like walk down the street and abide in each other. They have a certain shared life, but they're not going to live inside of each other. That's not how it is. But with Christ, we receive him into us so that he can abide in us and that we can abide in him. And also, you know, another phrase there from the Bread of Life course, Bread of Life discourse, is that he, uh, he gives us eternal life to those who eat his flesh and drink his blood. Quick note on the word eat his flesh. He's using the word to gnaw, like to munch on. So it kind of gives a real sense of like, ooh, he really wants us to receive this. This is not a neutral idea in his, in his uh, theology that he's teaching his, his disciples and apostles. They will have eternal life. And what else is eternal life but the life of God? You know, it's, he wants us to have the life of God, the life of Trinity indwelling within us. This is the nature of someone who is living in accordance with the gospel, living in a state of grace that we call it. For those who are not living in a state of grace, think about the sadness when it would be so easy to confess one's sins, to receive that forgiveness, and to live with the life of the Trinity within them. So this is the idea of communion. This is the third point. So the first one was Christ wanted to give us his presence. Secondly, Christ wanted to give us his sacrifice. And then thirdly, Christ wanted to give us communion with himself. This are all reasons that Christ gave us the Eucharist, the Mass. Now someone might say, well, you know what? He could have done it another way. He could have done it totally in another way. So it's very true. He could have done that in another way. These are arguments based on fittingness. It is fitting that someone who's saying goodbye would want to give us his presence. It is fitting that someone who who had some ultimate great act of love would want to give us this act of love to that person so that the person knows about it and can live it. It is fitting for someone who has such great love for another person to continue to have this communion of life with them. It's just an argument based on fittingness. 
we are Christians. We have our first argument based on obedience to Christ. Do this in remembrance of me. But these arguments of fittingness, I think they make a lot of sense. Now we can also ask ourselves, why is it fitting for us to receive it maybe? Why can't I just, you know, sit down in my mama's basement and be a good little Christian there and never see anyone again? <laughs> you know, that's what a lot of claim is these days. You know, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person in the sense of in the way that they're using it there. I'm not doing this in a social way. I'm doing this as an individual to Christ. Christ didn't come and give us a religion. Christ came and just gave us his uh, personal relationship. Well, it turns out he gave us both, and I'm going to really highlight why he gave us the communal dimension, the the dimension of his life and his faith, and, and especially the most important act of worship in the Eucharist. The first reason is that we're, we're social beings. We need other people. A statistic that has come up recently, thinking about our quote-unquote social isolation these days with the pandemic, is that there's an increase of premature death. Excuse me, an increase in the risk of a premature death if someone is in social isolation. And this is such an increase that it rivals obesity and it rivals uh, smoking. So, you know, think of all the, all, the, all the resources that have been poured into specifically smoking, but also to kind of fight obesity. Well, you know, maybe we should think about reuniting uh, ourselves with each other to move away from an individualistic society to one that is more kind of social-oriented, one that is more other-oriented, because that's what Jesus did. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And when he said do this, he's using the the um, the plural there for the you in the Greek. He said, y'all do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say you do it and you do it and you do it. You go to your own little rooms and do your own little last supper and that'll be great. Nope, it's not what he said. And it's fitting that we have received this and do this in a social way because we're social beings. This is an insight into humanity that that predates Christ. And it begins with Aristotle who made it very clear. Man is a social animal. There it is. But there's also something else. Yes, it is fitting that we receive the Mass because we're social, but it's also fitting that we receive the Mass and the Eucharist because we're physical beings. We're spiritual beings who are physical. We're physical beings who are spiritual. We have a soul and we have a body, and they are totally united with each other in a way that does not um, squash the other's reality. Think about if you want to give a gift of gratitude to somebody. You're going to write a card to them. You're going to give them a handshake. You're going to give them a hug. You're going to use your words and say, thank you for what you've done. Pretty simple. If you love somebody, you're going to love them through a hug and through a kiss, uh, through works of service, through a gift, something like that. You know, Think of the five love languages there. All of those, all of those are physical. <laughs> all of those are physical. We love people through physical stuff through our words, through our actions. Or if you want to show your anger, even if you don't want to show your anger, your face gets red because <laughs> you are a physical being and your soul is so united with your body that the emotions, which are a mental process, there's already your brain involved there, well, it comes out physically. And then when you want to show your anger, you yell at them or you punch them in the face well, in, the, in a good way, Christ wanted to, to 
adapt himself to us, firstly, by becoming flesh himself, so that we could receive him face to face and receive this message as we receive all messages, physically, through our senses. And so as he desires to give of himself, even after he's gone and sat at the right hand of the Father, he still desires to do this in a physical way, because we are physical, because we are physical. This is the nature of sacraments, that there is a physical reality that carries an invisible reality, a physical sign of an inward grace instituted by Christ. Again, do this in remembrance of me. That's the, that's the institution there. Again, these are arguments based on fittingness. The one main argument that we have is do this in remembrance of me. And he didn't give a whole lot of detail on that. Uh, next time I'll be talking about doing this in remembrance of me and why it's on Sundays, why we do this on Sundays, why do we have the obligation even to go on Sundays. So stay tuned for the next part on this series on thoughts to ease the return to Mass kind of during this time, pandemic time. But hopefully today was helpful for you just to just to be able to receive what's going on in the Mass, just to make sense of this. Like, you know, God, why did you do this? Jesus Christ, why do we have this Eucharist here? What's going on there? And I hope that this helps you, that Jesus Christ desires to give us his presence. He desires to give us the memorial of his sacrifice. He desires to give us a way to commune with him. And it's also fitting that we receive it because we're social beings and we're physical beings. May God bless you. And I'll talk with you again. Bye.